0: Blessed are the poor, for theirs shall be the kingdom of God. Blessed are the hungry, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who weep, for they will laugh. That's the beginning of a sermon that we have from Jesus. So today's sermon is somebody else's sermon. It's the sermon that Jesus gave. And you can find this sermon in Luke chapter 6. And in there, we're going to find a sermon that, as Jesus presents it, it becomes very challenging to us as people that want to follow Him. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some places where Jesus is going to step on our toes today. Because He's going to invite us into a way of living that, I'm just going to be honest with you from the very beginning, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of... Um, clarity, and it doesn't make a lot of rational reason on why we should live this way. So I hope you have one of our scripture journals. If you don't, you can find those uh, out in the foyer there. We want you to have one of those and be following along. If not, you can follow along. We're going to put the words on the screen here. And so in chapter 6, Jesus gives us the setting, or Luke gives us the setting, and we're going to begin in verse 17. Verse 17 says, says this, And he came down with them and he stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with the unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him. And look at this last line. Power came out from him and healed them all. Now Luke gives us a lot of information as we begin, and he talks about this time when Jesus came and he stands on a level place. And the content of this sermon is very similar to what many of you may be familiar with as the Sermon on the Mount. And so this is more commonly known as the Sermon on the Plain. And what Luke records is Jesus teaching in this moment, and he gives the description. He says people have come from all around. And they're gathered there, and they're from Jerusalem and Judea. And then he tells us two more places, Tyre and Sidon. And that's a clue for us. That, that tells us, if you had if you lived in that first century, you would have known that's Gentile country. That's outsider places. That's where those that are not yet part of God's people, those that don't claim to follow the same God that all, everybody else in the crown does, that's where they're from. And so Luke is letting us know already that Jesus' ministry and his mission, it's going to go beyond boundaries. It's going to go beyond people groups that we want to stay inside of. And so he says, this crowd is gathered. Now, you need to put yourself in the crowd. Again, this is a use-your-imagination moment. Because if we'd been standing in that crowd, we most likely would have been of a peasant-type status. The poor status. We would have had an existence that most likely would have gone day to day. Where am I going to find my meal today? It's the reason that when Jesus teaches us what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer, He says, he "says give us today our daily bread. Because they didn't live in a society or in a culture where pantries were overflowing and food was actually disposed of at times. We have something in my house in the sink and you put some stuff down that you've you've cooked or whatever into it, and it blends it up, and it sends it on down into the septic tank. Now, we call that a food disposal. See, that would have blown the minds of anybody in this crowd. You've got more food than you eat? How is that even possible? You must be incredibly rich. And so if we'd been standing there in that crowd today, we would have been one of the huddled masses. And around us would have been this ragtag group of, of followers. Now, nobody would have walked onto the scene and said, this group, these followers here, now that's a team. Jesus, you have picked well. Your followers are behind you. You are going to change the world. Nobody would have bet on this group. But he's about to lay out a strategy. He's about to call them to something. He's about to challenge them to something. And in fact, because he challenges them, this is a message that's going to challenge us. If you perceive Jesus as all that he did is go around and he said sweet things to people, this is a message for you because he doesn't, he doesn't simply say sweet things here, simply encouraging things. He challenges us and he's asking us to grow into something. Now, he doesn't ask us to grow into any of this because we need to earn his affection. But he wants us to grow into, well, he tells us. And I'll save that for just a little bit. So if you would, with me. Let's start. And again, these are the words of Jesus. This is his sermon. So back into chapter 6. We'll start. We'll pick up right where we left off. Verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you for you who weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you... And when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name, as evil on account of the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a title that Jesus refers to himself as. And so if you never see that phrase, just circle it. And it's Jesus speaking about himself. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for their fathers, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Jesus is changing the game right here. You have to understand, in that, in that scenario, in that season of, of our history... The, the common thought in the first century was, if you're poor, God has withdrawn from you. If you are rich, He's pouring out His blessings, blessings on you and you are wealthy. And that's a tangible sign of it. If you were poor and you were sick, not only has God withdrawn from you, but He's cursed you somehow. And either you sinned or your parents sinned. That sounds like some of the Bible stories maybe you're familiar with. The idea that we would look at somebody and when they're in a situation that is destitute and they're impoverished and perhaps they're diseased, we'd go, well, apparently there's something that you've done because that's how God works. And Jesus is coming along and He's he's been healing people. He's been healing people that people thought they are guilty and responsible for their own disease and now they're whole again. And people have watched this, and slowly he's beginning to change what they thought was the status quo. And now he looks at this group that's predominantly poor, predominantly day-to-day existence. And he looks at them and says, you may be hungry now, you may be struggling now, but there's coming a day. The kingdom of God is yours. And he starts to flip the whole script upside down. He starts to change it all in a moment. Because now... Those that are poor, they're hearing this message that it's not because God has abandoned them. It's not because God's moved away from them. That there's a God that's drawing near to them and Jesus is even healing. And did you notice the, the part, the phrase, the last sentence of the scripture we read before? It said, Power was just going out from Jesus. So as people got near him, there was something about him, they got near him. And I don't know if it required physical contact or what, but Jesus would, his power would just heal. And so as this crowd gathers around, people that, I don't know if Jesus is even aware of all the times he's healing, but people are being healed by being close to Jesus. And suddenly it's this idea that God is not standing distant from you, but he's coming into your very midst and he's with you. And Jesus is changing the game. Notice what he says. That's what he says to the poor... Says the kingdom of God's yours, it belongs to you. You may be hungry, there's coming a day where you will be satisfied. You may mourn and weep now. There's coming a day where you're going to have a belly busting gut laugh, and you're not going to be able to stop, and you're going to be crying the tears of laughter. That's coming. And then he flips the script, and look what he says. The second group, but woe to you who are rich, for you received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, so their, so did their, fathers, so their fathers did to the false prophets. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, whether you're poor or rich, you cannot take your current circumstance as proof of your relationship with God. There's no indicator for that. And we still have this kind of residual idea, don't we? That if, if my life is going well, then God's doing the right thing. If, if I face a tragedy, a disease, a, a dark season, whatever it is, God must have taken a break. He took his eyes off me. Somehow he walked away and he left me. I don't know, but obviously my circumstances prove that God's not with me. Your circumstance is no indicator of God's presence. Because Jesus is saying this is all about to turn upside down. In fact, here's how I would put, it, put this slide up. Jesus is turning the world upside down to show us life right side up. Jesus is talking to this group and he's saying, you've thought of your world in one way so far. I need to turn that around because I'm going to show you what life right side up looks like. And it changes priorities, it changes um, status, it changes your perception. And he's about to spend the rest of this sermon describing what right-side-up life looks like. So you ready? Here we go. Picking up right where we left off, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. In my Scripture journal, if you were to look at next to that paragraph right there, in big letters, I wrote the word, Really? Question mark? Do you see what He's doing? I want to go, who lives this way? Did you see what he was asking for? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Strike to one who strikes you on the cheek. Offer the other. To one that takes away your cloak. Do not withhold your tunic either. I mean, I'm sitting here reading this and I'm thinking, okay, somebody breaks in my house, steals my Blu-ray player. I need to make sure that he has the top, the first seven seasons to the office to work on, to watch on there, and so I'm chasing him out the door. Wait, don't forget this. Season two is my favorite. You're gonna really like it. That's what Jesus is calling for. Really? Is is that? I mean, Jesus, are you? Have you actually run the numbers on this? Have you actually figured out how this is supposed to work? Because I'm having a tough time figuring out how this is gonna go. See. Jesus is calling us this upside down, this incredible, crazy life. And here's what I'm going to share a quote with you that I came across. This is from N.T. Wright. He's a theologian. He's a preacher. And, Jesus, and he's describing what Jesus is talking about here. And here's what he says. The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. The kingdom that Jesus preached was about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. So I'm just going to steal that line right there. And for the rest of the time, you're going to hear me talk about this absurd generosity that we have. This absurd generosity that Jesus is calling you to live a life of absurd generosity. In a minute, we're going to talk about crazy mercy. Because Jesus is inviting them in. And he's asking, says, all that you think you know, I need you to set aside... Because we're going to talk about life re- lived right side up. And as long as you're keeping account, as long as you're keeping a debit ledger of who owes you and who hurts you and who, who needs to pay you back somehow, you're never going to live right side up. But if you live with this absurd generosity, he says it starts to turn around for you. This idea that you could actually love those who do harm to you. That you could actually serve those that don't serve you back. Because that's, that was the list. I mean, you go through the list, you're like, hey, if, if I lend to you and I expect you to, to pay me back, he's saying even the sinners do that. Maybe a more blunt way to, to do that is the mafia does that. You know, there's nothing special in that. You don't get to claim some superiority. You don't get to do that. He goes, that's the way of the world. That's the way of our culture. That's the way of everybody else that does business. I'm asking you to do something different. And I'm asking you to practice this absurd generosity. And I'm asking you to dream big. Did you catch this line? And here's what I call the crazy mercy. He says... He says, do this because this is how your father is. For he's kind to the ungrateful. I'm in, verse, I'm in verse 35. He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Now, I can handle the evil. You know, especially love your enemies. On some level, I can start to make sense of that because my enemies are going to stay at a distance. And I can pray for them at a distance and I can do some nice things for them at a distance. But he throws this other line in, and I believe it's because Jesus knows you so well and knows me so well. That the the biggest challenge for that is not for me to actually love my enemies. Because again, there's ways that I can do that and stay at a distance. But he puts this other word in there, and it drives me crazy because he's asking something of me that I just do not want to do. He says, be kind to the ungrateful. Be kind to the ungrateful. Now we're talking about your marriage, aren't we? Okay, we all just got on the same page at that moment, I can tell. Now we're talking about your parenting, aren't we? And your children. Now we're talking about maybe the relationship you have with your parents, or maybe with a next door neighbor, or maybe with that other one in your office that you feel like you keep reaching out, reaching out, and they're just not grateful. And Jesus is saying, this absurd generosity needs to keep flowing. You, you want to start changing the world? Continue to be kind to those that are ungrateful to you. And Jesus gives us the why. He says, because Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And Jesus is reminding us ever so kindly that you are a recipient of mercy. See, mercy is a funny deal, right? When when I'm the one standing in front of a holy God, And I'm somewhat aware of all the ways that I'm broken and all the ways that I've fallen short and all the ways that I've struggled. What do I want at that moment? I want mercy. When you stand in front of a holy God, somewhat aware of all the mistakes that you've made, what do I want at that moment? I want justice, right? For you, I want justice. For me, I want mercy. And Jesus comes in and says, Life lived right side up is you have this incredible awareness of the mercy that you've received, this unbelievable grace and generosity, this absurd generosity that you've received from God. And because you've received that, then you live out that to all those around. Now, again, I want to ask the question, really? And what this boils down to is this. How big is the God that you believe in? How big is the God that you believe in? And this this whole sermon turns on what kind of God do you believe? And if you believe in a God that really is all about the checklist, and He's got a ledger, and He's grading you day after day after day, and most of the days, if you've ever, ever, ever in your history ever measured up, they're few and far between, but most of the time, God's got the checklist, and He's going down. And he's going, nope, 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 nope. Try again, harder tomorrow. It's a God of do more, try harder. Is what it, it, we think so often. Jesus invites us into. He's a God that's very legalistic. He's a God that's waiting to pounce when you mess up. He's a God that, if you ever had an honest conversation with Him. You're just afraid he's going to go, you know, I'm just really, really disappointed in you. Or do you see a God that has this absurd generosity and this crazy mercy for you? and keeps inviting you into relationship time and time and time again. And even when you're trying to run the other direction, he's in pursuit, not so he can discipline you, not so he can get even with you, so he can get you back. Because he loves you so. See, when you start working your mind and your heart and your life around that kind of God, slowly but surely... Living this kind of life, this right side up life will begin to make sense. Let's, let's keep going. Verse we? Verse 37: "Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is not a description of us. This is a description of how good God is to us. He says, live life right side up. And when God um, comes back at you with this kind of life, you're now open to it. It, You're not going to end up short. Remember, he starts the whole thing with... The poor, the kingdom of God is yours. The hungry, you'll be satisfied. Those who mourn, you will laugh someday. And so God is making the promise, or Jesus is making the promise on behalf of God right here, that when your Heavenly Father shows up with this absurd generosity and this crazy mercy, it doesn't know any bounds. It's, it's a measured out to you in an overflowing kind of way. Have you ever had the disappointment of going to the store and buying your favorite cereal, and you get home, and when you open the bag, it's like it all just settles to the bottom, and the bag's like half full, you know? And then you look on the bag, and it says, by weight, not by volume, you know? And you, or you get the bag of Doritos, you know, that you're starving for, and when you pop that open, it looks like somebody ate half the bag just in a second. You know, a moment ago, it was all big and puffy with the air inside of it, and then you realize it was just air. Okay, we've got that kind of view of a God, these kind of a stingy God what Jesus is saying is he's filling the bag full and it's overflowing and you need more bowls. And it's still coming because that's the God that he is and he wants to be. Live life right side up. And you begin to see his mercies. And you begin to see his generosity. And you begin to have this sense of awe and how overflowing it is. This is the world that Jesus is inviting us into. And the truth is this. Truth is this that, that we have a power to live this way. Right? Remember at the very beginning, Jesus says this power was going out to him and it was healing all. That same power is available. Jesus has sent His Spirit in a real and tangible way. And so we don't work our way, we don't discipline our way into this kind of life. We connect with Jesus and His Spirit empowers this kind of life. This is a supernatural way of being. You try to do this on your own, it will not work. You cannot love your enemies you cannot continually be kind and serve those that are ungrateful. It will drain you. But if you understand a God that is pouring into you in a way that cannot be measured and it continues to overflow, suddenly you've tapped into a power that's supernatural and is beyond that and that will transform your life and it will have immediate impact on all those around. Can can you think? Can you imagine what it would be like? And I don't know where you are with with the church, but many of you I know come each Sunday morning and you've got your guard up because somewhere along the line the church hurt you. And I know that if you were to take the microphone, you could tell a story and it would curl our toes about it, about how you were treated. And I am so sorry, but, but what happened was there was a church that forgot its mission or a group of people that forgot what it was about and it forgot that it was about absurd generosity and crazy mercy. But imagine if there were a group of people that lived this way. If just the Jesus followers in this room lived this way. Imagine what that would do to our neighborhood. Imagine what that would do to our county. I- imagine what that would do if you lived this way inside your family. And even if you've never thought about living this way before, if you started, there's a power there that I'm telling you will start to change things all the way around. Because that's the sermon that Jesus preached. came across, or actually I should say I was reminded of a clip that comes from Les Miserables. If you're familiar with the, the book and the play and, and the movie, here's a clip from the movie, and to set it up, it's Jean, Jean, Valjean, Jean Valjean is a criminal, a lifelong criminal. And, and he is, he's betrayed people, and he's turned on people, and he's been in prison, out of prison. And he, this is a scene that comes when he's out of prison, and he comes across a bishop. And the kind bishop takes him in, and he gives him a place to sleep, and he gives him a a hot meal. And during the night, because he can't resist his urges and his temptations, he goes and he begins to steal the silverware and the plates and makes his way at night. Well, the next day, he's caught. Watch this video.
1: I'm sorry to disturb you. You
0: caught him.
1: But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. Really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop, madam You know, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget.
0: Merciful, as your Heavenly Father is merciful. The last thing I'd want you to do is treat this as a checklist. I've got to go put all these things and just start checking them off. Now I'm doing that, now I'm doing that. That's not what Jesus is preaching here. Jesus is inviting you into a way of life where you love your enemies you turn the other cheek you do good to those who mean to do you harm and you show this absurd generosity and in case there's any doubt this is exactly what Jesus experienced on the cross if you go forward and you read in the gospel of Luke the crucifixion account Jesus fulfills this whole way of life as he does those it does good to those that want to harm him as he turns the other cheek when he struck on one, as even his, his um, tunic or his clothing is, is separated and gambled for at the foot of his cross. And as he speaks the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. We don't fulfill it as a checklist. We do because that's the Jesus that we follow and that's what Jesus did for us. So now, in this moment, we're going to share in a table, in a meal with that Jesus. So I'm going to ask the men that serve if they would take their place at the back. And while we pass this bread and this drink, as we share in this meal that Jesus is serving, the one that calls us to the life right side up, I'm going to give you a couple questions to think about. And let these challenge you and motivate you. First one, how has God been absurdly generous and crazy merciful to you? Think through the times in your life. How has He already poured that out for you? And the second one, who can you extend mercy and generosity to this week? Because this doesn't need to stay in the room. This needs to go out from here. I'm going to invite one of our shepherds up, Jake Herndon, to lead us in a prayer as we share the supper together.
2: Please join me in prayer. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for all that has been sacrificed and all that has been done on our behalf. We thank you for loving us enough that you allowed your son to leave heaven, to come here to suffer and die so that we might be redeemed in your sight. We thank you for Jesus loving us enough that he was willing to do that and to show us a life that makes no sense to us, but one that he came here and lived out genuinely for all our sakes. We pray that as we take of this bread and this cup that represents his body and his blood, uh, that we realize that we cannot live that kind of life, but it's only with your spirit and the power that we get from you are we able to try to attempt this. So we pray as we partake of this that we will remember that love and that we will be a reflection of that to those around us and that you will help us to live each day Serving others, helping others, and trying to reflect this kind of love and grace to those around us. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.
0: Scott Sela opened our service with the message to the children. And where we he was taking that message from, was from the back part of this sermon where Jesus starts talking about the application of it. And he tells the story of a wise man that built his house in a firm place and it withstood all the rain that went against it. And he talks about a foolish man that built his house in an unstable place on whatever common wisdom of the day was. And when the rain, when the storms came, it had great catastrophe. And what Jesus is urging in that point is, is saying, don't just hear these words, but apply these words. Build these into, into your life. And so my encouragement is, even though this life right side up looks really upside down from where you sit right now, and it's scary, I'm telling you from Jesus' own mouth, it's where you're going to find your hope, it's where you're going to find your security. Your confidence and your well being. And I would ask you this how's it gone so far with your strategy in place? How have you suffered because you've held on to something way too long? So we're going to sing a song. And Jeff's going to come up and say, Open the eyes of my heart. And we're going to let that be our prayer for us that God would open our eyes into this new way of living that He invites us into absurd generosity and crazy mercy. And I also want to encourage you that on our, our worship app, if you go into westernhills.church on the message resources, you're going to see all these scriptures that we talked about today, and you're going to see the discussion questions. You can go and talk about them in our second hour. We've got several of the classes that are doing that, or perhaps take them and study them, work with your journal this week. But fold this into your life. And here's my promise. You won't regret it. Well, that's not my promise. That's Jesus' promise. You'll never regret this. So if you would, let's stand. If there's anything that we can talk about, we can pray for you with, the minister's elders will be down front while Jeff leads this song. Open the eyes of my heart.